Welcome to the Alliance Bible Church Podcast. We exist to be a healthy community, living and sharing the good news of Jesus with neighbors and nations. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, you can put your finger there and turn to Psalm 37, because we're going to start in Psalm 37 this morning. Good morning. I'll be reading Psalm 37, 1 through 11. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Thank you, Dan. So I occasionally ride my bike to work. And by occasionally, I mean every day for the last six weeks since I took my car to the shop and they said that it was unsafe to drive because the brakes are metal to metal. And I, I don't necessarily believe them, but I'm not willing to bet on it. So I occasionally ride my bike to work every day. And I've noticed a couple things in my time riding my bike to work. The first one is I think it's more likely to rain between 8 and 8.30 a.m. and 5 and 5.30 p.m. than any other time of the day. Now, I'm sure that's not scientifically true, but man, does it seem like it. There's been days, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in the, in the prayer meeting with our prayer team on Tuesday, and like at 4 o'clock it was raining, at 4.15 it stopped. And it was like clear skies and blue skies. And at 5.05, it was not as dry. So since fall has become controlling of the weather these days, I've decided that it's probably kind of a always carry the rain jacket kind of weather. Because as they say, better safe than riding home in the rain in a t-shirt. I know they don't say that, but they should. The second thing that I've noticed in riding my bike back and forth to work is I don't think people know what this sign means. <laughs> like, do you guys know what this sign means? It, it kind of, it means what it says, right? According to the Oregon driver's manual, just in case one's sure, this sign means you must come to a complete stop, period. Yield to pedestrians and other vehicles, period. The last sentence, when it is safe, you may enter the intersection. That's official, it came from the internet. That's, that's not how the internet works. When you approach a stop sign, your main concern, your main concern should be to stop. Not whether or not it's safe to go, but to stop. If you're worried about whether or not it's safe to go, you're looking for the yield sign and that's the triangle, and I only know where one of those is, and it's at the end of the street I grew up on in Castle Rock, Washington, where 2,000 people live. If there's 2,000 people in your town, you can have yield signs. But if you get more people, you need stop signs. Because as you drive to a stop sign, your main concern should be preparing 
stop. As one who is hanging out in the bike lane, um, I'd love us all to approach stop signs, firstly concerned with stopping and not concerned with going. Because as I've never been hit by a car, I have slammed on my brakes a few times and the heart rate goes up and I pee my pants a little. It's scary. A school bus once was rolling through a stop sign. I was like, no, no, you, you need to stop because like, if you don't and I don't, like, you're bigger than me. So I'm paying attention and I'll keep paying attention, but, but please, when you come to a stop sign, be prepared to stop. When we read passages of scripture that are familiar, sometimes we can just breeze right through them. And I think when we do that, we can miss what God is saying to us in this season of our lives. I think the Beatitudes are kind of like that. We've, we've heard them a lot. They're one of Jesus' big teachings. If you're using the, the blanks in the handout, the first blanks are sometimes we need to stop and observe. Stop and observe. As we come to Scripture, we need to be asking God what he has for us in this Scripture. My name is Wayne. As I've told you already today, I am the Associate Pastor of Youth and Etc. Ministries here at Alliance Bible Church. It's not my official job title. I just don't know exactly what I do right now. So that's what I'm calling it. Um, as Carl said, I'm teaching the Sunday School class for middle schoolers and high schoolers in the conference room. Um, and I'm giving away Rice Krispie Treats today. So if you don't come, I'm going to eat too many of them, which isn't like the worst thing. But I'd love for you to come. Our scripture from the Beatitudes is Matthew 5.5. 5. It says, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Now, maybe you're not super concerned with being humble, and unlike a couple of my favorite lab mice, you have no intentions of trying to take over the world. However, if we slow down a bit today and look at Jesus' teaching, I think we will see that it is necessary for our lives today, just as it was for those 2,000 years ago that Jesus was speaking to. Maybe you're walking through a hard situation with your family, there's a lot of change and uncertainty, and today we're going to see how God would want us, would call us to respond. Maybe the first month of school has been kind of tough. There's a teacher or all of them that you don't like, you're not a big fan of. Your friends from last year don't seem as interested in being friends this year. But today this scripture, I think, will help us see how God would want us to respond. And if you're with us this morning and you haven't made a decision to make Christ the Lord of your life, I hope that today you feel and understand the love that God has for us in the life that he has called us to. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into Psalm 37, so you can turn there if you'd like. Father God, open our hearts to what you have to say to us, that we would hear you, understand your words, and follow hard after where you're calling us. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll read verses 1 and 2. It says, Do not be agitated by evildoers, do not envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. When we try our own way to be more than God has made us to be, it is temporary. We can strive to get ahead by being something besides what God has made us to be, but it won't last. Your next blanks there, who we pretend to be won't last. Who we pretend to be won't last. We can look at someone who has more money or more popularity or nicer camera gear, and we can desire those things. We can say, I wish I had what they have. But if we're seeking things, we will always be disappointed. And anything that we do obtain will be temporary. I'm trying to see how many times I've taken temporary in about four minutes, so hopefully somebody is counting. It's temporary. 
If I have two cars, I don't. I have one and it doesn't run. But if I have two cars and one runs off gas, and it has a ginormous tank, it has 500 gallons of gas, and the other one runs off of solar power, not a lot of good here, but you can still solar power things from the overcast, I've heard, and one runs off solar power, and I have a trip, like 500 mile, gallons worth of gas can get me far, but solar power, at least until our sun burns up and explodes, is infinite. When we rely on ourselves and what we have, we're, we're driving a vehicle that has limited sources to get us places. But if we live in who God has made us to be, we can do everything he has called us to do. Verses 4 and 5 say, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. I looked up the word delight on the internet, because I'm not that smart. And it says a high degree of gratification or pleasure, joy, extreme satisfaction. The Bible dictionary defined it as to refresh one's self and to take pleasure in. These two verses don't actually have a lot to do with our main point today, that we're supposed to delight ourselves in the Lord. But man, what a great reminder to delight in God. Everything else is temporary, but as we delight in God, he'll reveal his will to us and he will empower us to do what he has called us to and now back to the meek inheriting the earth. Verses 9 through 11 says, For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope... Everybody say hope. That's a good word. But those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. This word in verse 11 and the Greek word in Matthew 5, 5 can be translated as meek, gentle, or humble. Humility, unpretentiousness, a quality of sincere and straightforward behavior suggesting a lack of arrogance and pride. We're told that the humble person will inherit the land and enjoy abundant prosperity. That word prosperity carries with it connotations of peace and completeness. As Debbie said, the Mom's Roman cell was this weekend, and there was stuff. I mean, if you didn't come check out the treasures, then you don't have as many cool things as I did this weekend. <laughs> because we found some treasures, some things that were good to have, some things that are like, why do we have this? Josiah has a toy that I'm giving till about January before we give it to Goodwill. But he's determined it's going to be his favorite. But at the garage sale, there was a, a table full of games and puzzles and um, do puzzles from a garage sale or Goodwill scare anybody like they scare me? Right? Like, I'm not much of a puzzler. I think that's what you call a person who does puzzles. Um, but it would be awful for me to grab a thousand-piece puzzle of Portland, City of Roses, right? And go, man, look at like there's bridges and buildings and mountains. I love bridges, so this is, this is a puzzle. I actually just prefer to buy pictures. It's like a puzzle, but already done. But if I picked this up, and then I spent weeks and weeks, and, and honestly for me, probably months, putting this puzzle together, and I'm watching this image come together, it's, it's like this, but bigger. Um, and then in the end, I find that I'm missing a piece or two. I can guarantee you that piece is not what I'm feeling at that point in my life. A sense of completeness is what, not what I have. But this, in this scripture, God promises peace, and abundant prosperity, a completeness 
as we live a humble life following him. Your next blanks, we find peace in who God made us to be. We find peace in who God made us to be. I feel like I should get that tattooed somewhere so that I can see it as one who has struggled with feeling good enough in an identity. This scripture lets me know that I can find peace in who God has called me to be. Psalm 37 was written by a man called David. We sang about him earlier. You guys remember the, the giants? Right? He was, he was that guy. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have the account of David going to fight Goliath. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this story a time or two. Um, so there's this young lad, his name is David. So we'll call him David. And he's the youngest of all his brothers. So we'll call him little David. David's three older brothers are part of Saul's army. Saul is the king of Israel. And they're fighting the Philistines, awful people. We don't like them. So David brings food to his brothers and their commanders. Wheels of cheese, I heard, which sounds... Man, you couldn't trust me to bring my brothers a wheel of cheese. You could give me a wheel of cheese, and you could trust that they'd have about a half a wheel of cheese. But I'm, I'm going to eat some of that. So David goes out to where the army is fighting. And he hears Goliath taunting Israel's army, taunting Israel's God, kind of making fun of them. But all of Israel is scared because Goliath is a big dude. Like, read 1 Samuel 17, and you can figure out how big, but I don't remember. But he's a big dude. It talks about his armor and how heavy it is, and his spear weighs more than me. And I'm not that big, but that's still a big spear. So David hears Goliath taunting the army. And David's like, you know what? I don't think God appreciates that. So I'm going to go kill the dude. Saul, the king, hears of this. Saul says, that's crazy. He's been fighting since he was young, and you are only a youth. And then David tells a little story. David was a shepherd, and when, when some animals tried to take his sheep, he killed them dead. He's like, yeah, lion, bear, God has delivered them into my hands. This Philistine heathen giant will be no different. Saul says, yeah, sure, you can go fight him. But Saul says, here, take my armor. When we read about Saul being anointed king, we learn that he's head and shoulders above the rest, which means he's probably bigger than the one we're calling little David. That's my guess. Like, Saul is probably as big as Aaron, and David's probably as big as me. Maybe David's not quite as big. I'm pretty big. So Saul's armor didn't fit David. It didn't work for him. It wasn't what he was used to. It wasn't the tools that God had given him. So David says, no, thank you. He takes his sling and his stones. He goes down. The big bad Goliath, like, my dog, do you come up with me sticks? And David slings a rock at his head. He falls down. David grabs the dude's own sword and cuts off his head. I think David won that day. But David, we'll talk about a few things about David. David didn't go to the battle to kill a giant. He went because he was doing what his dad asked him to do. He was delivering food. And David didn't dress up in Saul's armor. He went out with the tools that he was used to the tools that he was used to. He went out with what God had equipped him with, not somebody else's something that worked for them. And lastly, and most importantly, I'm guessing just usually the last thing is most important. So David didn't fight for himself or his family, but for God's honor. Meekness isn't weakness. It's not that we never stand up and that we never fight. 
But we don't fight for ourselves or what we can gain, but we fight for what God has called us to. As we turn to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching here. Matthew puts this teaching of the upside-down kingdom right after Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. Jesus is teaching the disciples while the crowd is listening. These teachings are for those who have decided to follow Christ. They're a call for them. But this life that Christ talks about is available to anyone who has made that choice to follow him. This, this portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5-7, through seven, shows in greater detail the repentant lifestyle that characterizes the people of the kingdom of God. It's descriptive before it's prescriptive. We should see that this is Jesus saying what it's like before he asks us to do anything. It's about being who God has called us to be before we do what God has called us to do. Your next blanks there is Christ doesn't ask us to be perfect before we follow him. Anybody want to say amen to that one? Dang, I do. Christ doesn't ask us to be perfect before we follow him. As we follow him, we become more and more like him. If we say that we are going to live for Christ and follow Christ, then our, our life will show that. But, but God doesn't say, hey, clean up this and clean up this and clean up this and definitely take care of that one and then come talk to me. He loves us where we are and he calls us to be more and more like him. Matthew's collections of Jesus' teachings, um, chapters 5 through 7, chapter 10, 13, 18, 23 through 25, is to be used to make other disciples for Jesus, just as other Jewish disciples passed on their rabbi's teaching to their own disciples. So this is what Jewish rabbis did in Jesus' day. They, they taught and they shared, and then people taught and shared what they taught and shared. But Jesus taught with a different authority. And his teachings pushed against the ways of the world Christ was ushering in his upside-down kingdom. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 5 again. It says, Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. I love how the message paraphrase puts this verse. So this is a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. It's great to read. I wouldn't recommend it like as your only study Bible, but it's a fantastic read. And the verse says this. It says, You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. To be blessed by God was considered the essential ingredient in a successful and satisfying life. We see these words throughout the Old Testament of being blessed and happy. The New Testament concept stresses the joy people experience as children of God and citizens of his upside-down kingdom. I love Matthew Henry's commentary, um, mostly because he uses Old English and it's hard to understand, but fun to read. He says it is the, of Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, that it is designed to remove the discouragements of the weak and poor who receive the gospel by assuring them that his gospel did not make those only happy that were eminent in the gifts, graces, comforts, and usefulness but that even the least in the kingdom of heaven, whose heart was upright with God, was happy in the honors and privileges of that kingdom. The meek and those who quietly submit themselves to God, to his word and to his rod, who follow his direction and comply with his designs. That's who Matthew Henry, Matthew Henry says the meek are. 
Psalm 25 verse 9 tells us that he leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So often we seek God's will or what he has for us. And from today's scriptures, I think we know that if we stay humble in who God made us, that he will show us what he has for us. The meek person is gentle and mild in his own cause, though he may be a lion in God's cause or in defending others. David didn't fight Goliath because he needed a notch in his belt or he wanted the prize that the king was offering. David fought Goliath because Goliath was insulting David's country and David's God. And while the whole army of adult men who were trained to fight wouldn't go fight, David knew that God was fighting for him, and he went and he took down a giant. We don't fight for ourselves or what we can gain, but for what God has called us to. Those who are humble and gentle. Psalm 37:11 foretells of the destruction of evildoers, so that those who hope in Yahweh, those who hope in God, will live in peace. We get what God has for us because of who He is. Not by earning it, not by stealing it, or working harder than others. Your next blank says it's not about what you do, but who He is. It's not about what you do, but about who He is. I looked up the word inherit too because well, I wanted to know what it means. And according to the dictionary that I found online, I will tell you what it means because I don't remember what it means. To come into possession or of or receive, especially as a right of divine portion, to receive from an ancestor as a right or the title. So you can't earn an inheritance. It's not about what you can do or what you have to do to get this inheritance. Like if you have an inheritance, it's because of who your family is, of who came before you. And this says that the meek shall inherit the world. So unlike peaking the brain, we're not trying to take over the world. We're trying to live a humble life because we're told if we live a humble life, if we live meek, that we will inherit the world. Jesus cites Psalm 37, 9 and 11, not those trying to bring the kingdom politically or militarily, but those who humbly wait on God will inherit the earth. It could mean inherit the land in a narrow sense, talking about the promised land. But in Jesus' day, Jewish people expected God's people to reign over all the earth, as some Old Testament passages have suggested. If we live humbly, we will receive God's promises. In Psalms, they're waiting for the promised land of Israel that he's promised them. God has promises for us. He has things for us in store. And as we live humbly and seek him, we will get those. And we don't live humbly so that we will get things. Like, we're not trying to be good enough so that we get an inheritance. That's not how God's inheritance works. But we live humbly and we serve him because of his great love and because of his promises for us. Mr. J. Vernon McGee, in his commentary through the Bible, says, Meekness is not produced by self-effort, but by spirit effort. I don't know how one would go about trying to make themselves more humble. If we read in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26, 
It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's another passage we're kind of familiar with. There's kids' songs, right? Like, the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit is, and then we sing them, but I always forget some, so I'm just going to read them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, we've been talking about gentleness. It's in there. Gentleness and self-control, the law, is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live, everybody say live. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Your last blank. We seek Christ, and we become gentle. We don't seek humility. We don't seek gentleness. We seek Christ, and we become gentle. Now, I've never maintained an apple orchard. I've never harvested filberts. But that's not true. I did harvest filberts one year. It was a lot of fun. So if you need help, let me know. So Carrie harvests, harvests filberts. Like, I don't, I don't plant things that grow very often. But when it comes to roots and fruits, if I were going to grow an apple tree, I would not spend any of my time worrying about the fruits, right? Because I can't do anything to make the fruits fruit. That's, that's the action of trees producing fruit. They're fruiting. It's not really, but it could be. But I can't make that happen, right? I can concentrate on the roots. I can concentrate on where those roots get their nutrients, where they get the water that they need or the water that they need. I think it's the same thing, but I'm not sure. But I can concentrate on the roots, and I can make sure that, sure that soil is good, and I can make sure that that is healthy. And if that is healthy, then what's going to happen when it's time for the fruits? They're going to fruit, right? God doesn't call us to figure out how to be more gentle. He calls us to seek him. And as we seek him, as we spend time in his presence, the fruit of the Spirit, that will happen. We can't do anything to make the fruit fruit. But we can take care of ourselves and we can take care of our soul spending time with Christ. If I think that I has what it takes, why would I rely on God? Or for when you use proper English, you can say, if I think I have what it takes, why would I rely on God? My challenge to us this week isn't to do more, to try harder, but to be with Jesus, to spend time in his presence. However that looks for you, if that looks like a walk in the woods to pray and seek him, like it's going to for me, do that. If that looks like sitting and reading scripture while he speaks to you, do that. If that looks like worship music, but you're not a singer, the YouTube has music videos. I've seen them. Like, put those on and worship, but spend time in his presence. This week I was able to celebrate being married to my lovely wife, Nicole, for 16 years in a row. I know, right? Yeah. She's not here, but you should be clapping for her because she's done most of the work. Like, you, you guys know me. Yeah. She does it all. But how ridiculous would it be if I spent that 16 years only worried about what I could do for my wife? I can make her breakfast, right? I get a job so I can pay for her to have a car that runs. I do all those things. But if I never spent time with her, I'd be a pretty crummy husband. If I never spent time with her. We actually get to go to Rockaway and enjoy the coast in September. We probably should have got married in not September so we could enjoy the coast more. But 
I like the rain, so it's okay. But we're going to go away. We, we, our plans are to eat at the taco truck every night and probably for lunch. It's good. Um, to buy ice cream, to walk. Um, one of her plans is to sleep in, so one of my plans is to get like a few extra hours of, of reading or editing video. But like we're just going to be together. And like we, we make those time for those things in our families, but how often do we take time to just be with Jesus? I'm going to invite the team up at the end, worship team, sorry. If you're part of other teams, you can stay seated. I'm going to invite the worship team back to their instruments. Specificity matters. At the bottom of your handout, there's a prayer. It's not a long prayer. It's not a fancy prayer. Because I'm not a fancy guy. It's a short prayer. And if you want to, this week you can use this prayer as a starting place for just spending time in God's presence. Let me read this prayer and then we'll respond and, and worship God some more through singing. Holy Father, help me to seek you above all else. I want to desire your presence more than your blessings. Help me to find who I am and who, have you, and who you have created me to be. Trusting your goodness as I face life's situations. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. We hope you've enjoyed it. For more information, you can visit alliancebible.church. 